0: Lead with my heart, I feel like has always been supported by my yoga practice. And I wanted to always get away, right? Growing up, I wanted to get away. I felt like I need, you know, this was, there was something, a place that was more loving, better for me, and always reaching for the space on the inside as well.
1: This is Before It's Too Late. I'm your host, Christiane Susan. Let's learn together what matters most in life. We are very excited to speak with yoga ethics activist Monisha Racha today. Born and raised in India, Monisha has been teaching yoga for over 20 years in New York City and started to practice it at the age of four. When she contracted COVID in April 2020, she managed to heal herself through her practice of yogic breathing and asana, much to the surprise of her medical doctor. Ever since, he sends COVID patients to Monisha, who started to teach the ancient yogi breathing techniques in a class especially designed for patients suffering from COVID. You will learn from her in this episode how exactly she's doing that and what effects this breathing approach has on the immune system. In this context, Monisha also clears up the misconception of what yoga really is and what it isn't. 99% of the people do not even know how to breathe properly, she states. I was truly intrigued by her healing approach that helps not only COVID patients, but everybody to maintain their health. No wonder she has been approached by researchers and interest groups from all over the world. Currently, she's collaborating with scientists and researchers, such as Dr. William Bushell, interested in the therapeutic potential and impact of yoga practice. Also, she's sharing with us her impressive journey, how her dysfunctional childhood, she grew up in an abusive environment, impacted her wanting to get out of India as soon as possible, and how yoga and art helped her do that. You will hear the reason for her ending up in New York, where she went to Parsons School of Design and later created her own cruelty-free fashion brand, Love is Mighty. I'm sure you will enjoy listening to the legacy Monisha wants to leave behind other than money. We're proud to have you as our guest today, Monisha Racha. Hello, Monisha. Welcome to Before It's Too Late. Thank you, Christian. Thank you for having me. I'm totally thrilled to have you, Monisha. You are a very special yoga teacher indeed. You've been teaching for over 20 years in New York now and began your yoga practice at the age of four. So that is very unusual. You were born and raised in India. Tell us your story. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So, i was born and raised in india i grew up in all over actually i was born in calcutta and my father was in the army so he was posted all over the place every year we would move Mm -hmm. and originally my parents are from kerala down south and i would visit my grandparents extended family there but lived all over india and uh, so when i was 4 and fortunately for me there was yoga in schools so that's how i got introduced to yoga instead of so currently our pt sessions or physical therapy sessions in in school now have hockey and activities like basketball and not yoga but when i was growing up that was Every day, we had a yoga class. We had to go. Oh, wow! Yeah. Is
1: that still? Do you know if that is still in place in India in this? And Un- unfortunately,
0: not because my nieces and friends' children they don't do that. They have field hockey. They have basketball. They have uh, everything else: table tennis or you know other activities. But yoga was cut out. Uh, So I was very fortunate that I was introduced to it at such a young age, and at school. But what I, you know, wasn't really the philosophy of it. So it was mostly the the physical aspect. And uh, we had teachers, but I grew up being surrounded. You're immersed in it, right? You don't think like a fish in water doesn't really know it's in water. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was just around me all the time, the philosophy of it, you know, you're living in it. Mm -hmm. And um, every day, I had yoga, and I was a very flexible child. And, you know, I loved it. I mean, while my fellow classmates would scream in pain when the teacher would sit on their back to try and get their head to touch their knees. I was putting both my legs behind my neck and walking around uh, on my hands, making everybody laugh. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so that practice stayed with me. And I've had many teachers, not only at school, but also outside of school. And when uh, my Father got early retirement from the army. We settled in Pune, which is a few hours away from Bombay. And Pune is known for uh, the Osho Ashram and for BKS Iyengar. And when I was a child, I don't, I think it was about seven, I was about seven or eight years old. And I do remember going to some children's classes with. Uh, and having studied with uh, BKS Iyengar. So very fortunate for that. I didn't know the significance of it or didn't realize how that would stay on with me way into my adult life. But uh, these are all my yoga experiences and also having uh, grown up right next to the Osho Ashram, which was actually the opposite. We were not allowed to go anywhere near you know, because it was it was full of uh, foreigners, and he was very he was a very controversial figure. Um, Tell us more he,
1: about for those listeners who don't know about the Osho ashram.
0: So it's in Pune, and it's in Corrigan Park, where I my family spent many years. So that's where we settled right before I came into the state. It came to the state, so I was there for a good. Uh, 10 years or so of my life uh, growing up in this area and Osho Rajneesh was this very controversial guru from India. I think he's famous recently because of the documentary Wild Wild Country and he, had, uh, he was extradited from Oregon. He had a big ashram here and was sent back for tax evasion and other reasons back to India. So he came back to Pune. and um, But we were not allowed to go anywhere near his ashram. And we had to take the long way around to go to school. And so it was always this curiosity for me, you know, this meditation, what's he doing? And it wasn't until many, many years later that I picked up a book, an Osho book and read what he was talking about and really appreciated his
1: teachings Mm, yeah yeah i can imagine so monisha you really had all the yoga and the philosophy ingrained in your yourself from very very early on and is there maybe like something like a childhood story you want to share with us that also maybe brought you then closer to your past you have chosen later on in your life to become a yoga teacher yourself
0: yeah so I you know I never intended to be a yoga teacher that was not what I was aspiring mm-hmm. to be and and in India we don't see yoga as a profession yoga teaching or that as a pro- it's not yoga and meditation that is the matrix that supports everything else that we do. So yoga is often taught, you know, taught to householders, and and it's not meant for a path for anyone to go into professionally. Although there are many teachers and gurus, but their role is as guides and uh, teachers for us. And so it was never something that I said I want to become a yoga teacher. But That's since so being introduced. Yeah, since being introduced uh, to it at an early age, I felt like it was the foundation that helped me uh, face a lot of challenges in my life. Uh, firstly, being that uh, I was raised in an alcoholic home and it was very dysfunctional. So there was a lot of chaos and drama for me growing up in this family and in my childhood. and. I never recognized or consciously wasn't aware that, you know, my yoga practice meditation brought a sense of balance and and an inner guidance. It gave me an inner guidance. And having grown up with trauma, there was domestic violence, there was a lot of a uh, lot of crossing of boundaries, everything that comes with, you know, growing up in an alcoholic home and, and addiction being a big part of it. It was, it was very challenging to say the least. But my yoga practice, I felt like always grounded me, always stabilized me without having known it. And my propensity for taking risks and healthy risks, I would say, and, and reach for uh, things that I dreamt about and go for my dreams and follow uh, these visions and, you know, lead with my heart. I feel like has always been uh, supported by my yoga practice and I wanted to always get away right growing up I wanted to get away I felt like I need you know this was there was something a place that was more loving better for me and always reaching for the space on on the inside as well And. Mm getting away from all the negative messaging that i received as a child and and having to um, overcome a, a lot of these challenges i think has definitely contributed you know to who i am the risks i've taken so when i was a teenager i would say around say preteens to 12 13 14 i got really into duran duran In Mm -hmm. fact, I'm wearing my Duran Duran t-shirt as I'm speaking to you. I was, I was glued to the TV. We would get pop, there were two channels we'd get, right? One was the Indian channel and somehow the other one was BBC. We would, back then we'd receive BBC and, and uh, we would, and we'd have top of the pops and I would just be glued to it and completely madly in love with Duran Duran, especially with John Taylor. And And mm-hmm. so when I was growing up, I wanted to go to London. and, and I got into fashion as a child. I was So my, I guess, escapes that I would uh, reach for to uh, manage, you know my childhood growing up in, in this home was art, was uh, yoga. And these two things are the very things that I am fully occupied in right now in my life. So it's very interesting that those very things that I reached for as I was a child and got that brought me so much joy is what I am doing currently. And so I was very much into fashion and design and drawing and art. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, And I said I'm going to go to London, follow my dream, and meet Duran Duran, meet John Taylor, and then in my teen magazine I saw that John Taylor moved to Manhattan. <laughs> my life trajectory changed, and I applied to Parsons School of Design here in the states and got in. I said I'm going to come to Manhattan. I'm going to stay in the same place where John Taylor is. So this was, you know, this was my uh, way to escape way to get out. And so I got into Parsons. I came here. I studied fashion. And without ever thinking that, okay, I am going to meet John Taylor. He was really, or Duran Duran and John Taylor, that was what really got me out of this and um, very difficult place. And I pursued my studies in fashion here all this time maintaining my yoga practice that that was something that was always part of part of me i lived it breathed it it wasn't something that i saw as a career path definitely not not that so i would say that you know this was a really um You know, a big pivotal point in my life, having made the decision to come here. And long story short, I mean, I have a friend who is friends with John Taylor. In fact, when I was uh, 14 and watching these incredible videos, and they were such pioneers in uh, in video music videos, and I would be glued to the TV watching these incredible sets. This friend that I have is um, designed. All those sets for Duran Duran, and I, met, you know, met her long time uh, way later through yoga. She was a yoga student of mine, and then we became friends. And eventually, long story short, I went. Uh, I went to the reunion. Yeah, he invited me uh, to the re- to the reunion tour uh, in two thousand seven. I went there, met him backstage, and I told him. I said. I moved to Manhattan because of you. And he goes, how's that working out for you? And we had a really good <laughs> laugh. And and I honestly, truly, it worked out great for me because here I am.
1: <laughs> Monisha, I really I don't know what to say. But first and foremost, thank you so much for sharing your childhood environment, for sharing with us what kind of dysfunctional and traumatic um, circumstances these were for you i can't even imagine how that must have been for you thank you so much for being so open and honest about it and thank you so much for sharing your story about what and how you got out of um, out of that like sharing how you really got out of that so that is an amazing a hero's journey i would say and um, i'm sure it's very relatable to to many listeners and isn't it fantastic then that the arts and yoga both poles sort of were pulling you out of that are you still in touch with john taylor
0: no, no, I'm I'm not. I'm not
1: in touch. Okay, but that was then meant to be that you met him um, at some point. Monisha, you and I met recently only, and you told me a fantastic thing, and that's why I was really interested in talking to you on Before It's Too Late. Mm. You had COVID yourself in April 2020. When the first wave was on the rise, and we didn't know much yet about this virus, let alone a vaccine was available. Tell us how you felt at that time, and what you did to recover.
0: Yeah, I yes, I came down right when everything got locked down. Uh, New York City was locked down. I started having uh, very strange symptoms. I would say I had. Body ache, joint ache. I had conjunctivitis. I had fever that would come in and out I, I, in the same day. Um, it, it was very bizarre that I would I would have high fever when I woke up and then it would be completely gone. And then it would come back in the afternoon and be gone. And I couldn't, I didn't understand it. I'd not experienced this. And then also I started experiencing fatigue and I reached out. That's when I made an appointment with the doctor at the the time, nobody was seeing anyone in person. So I had these video calls with uh, a doctor at Mount Sinai hospital. And he said it, I'm exhibiting all signs of COVID. And, um, mm. But what he was very surprised about was that I had absolutely no uh, symptoms uh, in my pulmonary system. So my lungs were in excellent health, no sinus issues, no throat issues, no congestion, and which is what uh, doctors were seeing mostly from COVID patients was this was the area that was deeply affected. And mm-hmm. for me, I remained unaffected. And he attributed that to my yoga practice and my pranayama practice, my breathing and, and yoga, which I was maintaining throughout this. And when the fatigue hit, it was, I've not experienced anything like that. It was debilitating. I could barely get out of bed. But one thing i could do was get out of bed for an hour and do yoga and at that time my yoga classes also went online and i was teaching my yoga classes to my students
1: mm. you still have the energy to do that yeah?
0: i am surprised but that was the only thing i could do was mm. to get up and that would get me out of bed and teach uh, was an hour of yoga class and, and then my own uh, breathing practices and my own yoga that I was doing to help me get out of, uh, the, overcome whatever it was I was experiencing because it seemed so foreign, so alien. And my doctor urged me to start teaching what I was doing to COVID patients. And I didn't have an, at that point, didn't have a deep scientific understanding of what what was going on. And as I started learning more and experiencing more, my yoga practice was what kept my immunity high. And my doctor sent me, started sending me some of his patients to work with. And he said, please keep teaching this. We need this. And I have to say, you know, I really give him credit for his vote of confidence in me. And he sent me some of his patients, and some of my own uh, yoga students were at, and friends were having uh, issues with COVID, and they started coming to me. And within weeks, it was a it was a remarkable turnaround. Within weeks, they were recovering, going from uh, congestion, going from uh, difficulty breathing, to completely being free. From that and strengthening their immune system, strengthening their pulmonary system through the yogic exercises that I was doing with them. And um, so I knew that I was, you know, onto something. My doctor, even today, keeps encouraging and pushing me to bring this out to
1: more people. Isn't that amazing, Monisha? You really have to share with us what exactly it is in your yoga practice and yoga teaching, because obviously there are many yoga teachers around, right? Mm -hmm. So what is the healing part you are bringing to, to the COVID patients and to the world, I would say? So nothing is it a, that I'm, is it a certain technique um, of breathing or um, what what exactly yeah. is
0: it? So I will yeah, I'll go into it a little bit. So what um, nothing that I'm teaching or doing is new. This has been, this is, these teachings and techniques have existed for millennia, for thousands of years. And the ancient yogis developed this. And when I use the word yogi, I mean, you know, these sages and ancient uh, practitioners who devoted their life yoga not someone who's hmm. doing yoga so that's another misconception that anyone who does yoga and when we say yoga in the west it's mostly the asana the physical practice of it is called a yogi so i just want to say that when i say yogi it's like with deep reverence that i'm using for um sages and the yogis who develop this so they've been practicing and developing these and realized that there's prana, vital energy or life force, as it can be translated into in English, uh, that can be channeled through the body, and the breath carries this. So pranayama practice is what we do in yoga to direct this prana. So the Sanskrit word pranayama, when translated, means prana, means life force, and ayama means an extension or an expansion of prana. So what we're doing is through these techniques that we're using, the breath is carrying the prana through the body, through certain channels to unblock these blockages and obstacles that lie in the body. So the ancient yogis also knew of the existence of these etheric bodies and these pipes or channels that the prana flows through in the etheric body. So the physical body, we have these pipes as well. We have blood vessels, we have our colon, our intestine, like these are all pipes. So when these pipes get blocked, we have issues that you know you can call heart disease or you can call colon cancer, you have different names for it, right? But it mm-hmm. all comes down to the fact that there's blockage in the system. And so the yogis developed... These exercises and, and uh, techniques to unblock not only in the physical body but also in the etheric body. So, on a physical level, when we're doing pranayama and these breathing techniques, we're unblocking the air passages. So, the bronchi, the windpipes, the lungs, the nasal, the sinuses—all these are being unblocked and on an etheric level any knots or granthis as it's called in sanskrit are being untangled in the nadis or these channels that carry the prana through and so i so the techniques that i've been using are what i have learned as uh, in my yoga practice i combine that with the uh, physical practice as well so i also work with restorative yoga postures. I'm a certified restorative uh, yoga practitioner. And these posture. So people who have COVID, and when I had COVID, the extreme fatigue that I experienced from it, and also sometimes I still feel it, even though it's more than a year and a half later, these are the long haul, they're calling it long haul COVID symptoms. So I'm still experiencing some of that. So sometimes people who have difficulty breathing, or uh, who are experiencing fatigue, have a hard time doing yoga. Like even the basic, most simple yoga practice, moving from one posture to another can be very challenging. So, mm-hmm. especially with COVID patients, what I'm working on is are these getting them into these postures that are supported with blankets, with pillows. So you're not using your own strength to hold yourself in these postures. For instance, a forward bend would be supported by bolster or blankets and pillows so that you can open out the upper body. So we think that most of our lungs are located in the front. So whenever people are asked to take a deep breath, they inhale and puff up the chest. So that, in fact, is the opposite of proper breathing. And Christiane, you'll be so surprised that 99% of people that I work with do not know how to breathe properly. Just the very basic uh, function of breathing is is completely dysregulated, which dysregulates our nervous system and then leads to chronic stress and anxiety. And on a physiological level, the lungs go all around, it's a 360 degree. You know, what we are carrying are breathing organs are 360 degrees. So we forget that and we think it's only in the front. Most of the lungs, 70% of our lungs are located in the back, in the upper back. So when you're experiencing uh, difficulty breathing, you have congestion and you're lying on your back, you're applying a lot of pressure. So there's gravitational pressure on the lungs that makes it extremely hard to breathe and very low levels of oxygen are being taken in. So the doctor's eventually caught on about proning postures. So proning postures are postures that allow the patient to be on their front body supported in order to open up the back, in order to open up the upper back, upper rib cage, so that you're increasing the surface level of the tissues, lung tissues, to increase the capacity of absorption of oxygen. So you're re-oxygenating the system by b- being in these postures that are opening out the lungs. So the, lo- the doctors are now realizing that and now proning postures are institutionalized all over the world.
1: That is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for elaborating on this, Monisha. That is really a fantastic work of yours. So through your discovery you became a pioneer in the evidence-based yoga treatment of covid and when i'm listening to you i really really want to send everybody to your classes not only covid patients because if it's really breathing alone that makes us feel better and helps boost our immune system i can only imagine what it also does to our minds in terms of relieving it right so You told me you have been contacted after this discovery by researchers and interest groups from all over the world, which is no surprise. So tell us a little bit more about what what you're doing to spread this technique of yours all over the world.
0: Yeah. So as I was teaching uh, these classes, I've been approached by people in Europe and France and Sweden, and especially when Sweden was hit really hard and by groups who uh, wanted to learn more. And I conducted classes online with them to help, um, help them understand how to apply The pranayama how to apply these physical postures to help them ease through that and uh, through having covid and to um, recover in health and i was also contacted by researchers and scientists and now i'm working with dr william bushell who's a scientist and a doctor who's been researching yoga and its effect on infectious diseases for over 25 years. And he approached me after hearing about the work that I'm doing. He was very excited because he wanted to meet with somebody who is teaching yoga, but has also had COVID, so has experienced and then healed through the process of pranayama and yogic techniques, ancient healing techniques of yoga. And I'm also working with a researcher and yoga teacher, Eddie Stern. And he's contacted me, they both contacted me, and they're working on papers and research in this field. So that is an ongoing conversation that I'm having with them. There's We're talking about collaborating on some papers and uh, spreading these teachings more bringing this more uh, to mainstream and when you are saying you know this is absolutely yeah this is not just for covid patients this is for everyone i have students in my class who are not you know sick uh, they are very healthy but they they want to maintain their Help as well as enhance it and get stronger. So through this practice of pranayama and through yoga asana, so there's a big misunderstanding, right? That uh, yoga is, you know, is to get fit. Mm-hmm. So how I have, so this is my upbringing as well and my own experience with yoga. Yoga is not exercise absolutely not. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. you end up getting a fabulous body. Yes, that's great. But yoga is not exercise. The asana practice, which is the physical aspect of yoga, was developed by the yogis in order to maintain a supple and flexible connective tissue, which runs throughout the body. And this allows for the maximum expansion in the inner inner body so that our organs, our lungs can function optimally. So that is the only really reason for the asana practice is that we get flexible enough so that we can sit in padmasana or the lotus pose and and, uh, go into these postures so we can sit for hours in meditation and go into samadhi, which is you know, the ultimate union between uh, our consciousness and universal consciousness. Yoga means union. So it is this union. Yoga is really meditation. So it's not physical exercise. That is just one part of it. And so my practice is really about uh, the holistic approach of yoga and also bringing yoga back to its roots, the eight limbs of yoga. So most people don't even know what that is. So asana practice is only one eighth of the eight limbs and pranayama is only one eighth. So we're doing what we're practicing in the West or what we know of as yoga is only a very small part, the tip of the iceberg.
1: I love this, Monisha. And I'll make sure that I'll put your website um in the description so that everybody can sign up for your classes. Um, thank you, and, thank you, christian and And really, also thank you for clarifying what yoga really is and what it's not. Uh, I think that's very important. Monisha, here's a question I'm asking. Each mm-hmm. of my guests on before it's too late and that's the question What about legacy what is the legacy what you want to leave behind especially I'm interested to hear that after what you just shared with us <laughs> uh-huh. other than money mm.
0: Yeah! wow great question thank you for asking I feel like there are several I would say of Firstly, I would, I think I would just say to live life fully, you know, to take full responsibility for your health, happiness. And for me, my practice has always been about reaching whatever my vision is to go for it without fear, taking the risks. And, and a big part of it is yes, now I think my my legacy is now to bring yoga back to its roots and to practice it the way it was meant to be practiced and to understand uh, the deeper meaning behind yoga, not just the physical aspect, but really the benefits that it brings to the nervous system, uh, to our very dysregulated nervous system, bringing that back into balance, bringing our bodies and mind back into harmony through meditation, through these, you know, really valuable contributions that India and and South Asia has made to this, to this field, to, to the world, really. And my deep love, I would say, of animals, and I think this is very much through my practice of yoga, one of the biggest, um, principles of yoga is ahimsa which is non-violence and non-injury and it you know I would really want to inspire people to treat all animals the way they treat their own cats and pet dogs and if if you wouldn't experiment on your own Child and eat your cat and your dog to not do that. So I think as a, a part of my contribution, whether it is my work in fashion with uh, and my fashion brand, is is about a, a whole sustainable living and nonviolent
1: living. What's your fashion brand called? It's called Love Is Mighty, mm-hmm. and
0: it is a line of footwear fashion footwear and accessories, bags, scarves without harming any animal. So no leather, no skin is being used, no fur is being used in this while working with Indi- indigenous tribal artisans in India and some in Guatemala. So I collaborate and so bringing this kind of a confluence of yogic principles in business. And how we can practice that uh, without it being fractured and separating the two, right? We're so used to separating our spiritual life from a professional. And how can we bring that together and practice business in a way that's responsible, that's sustainable, and that is uh, respectful to all living beings as well as the planet?
1: Monisha, what a legacy. What wonderful, meaningful reflections of yours Monisha, would you like to add something to this conversation?
0: Yeah. uh, Yes, Christian. Thank you for asking me. I would like to say that, you know, even though I'm working and doing a lot of work with uh, yoga for COVID, that yoga and pranayama are not a replacement for the vaccine. Uh, But what yoga does do and what I am learning as I'm Collaborating with scientists and researchers is that yoga stimulates the adaptive immune response in the body. So, these are the very mechanisms that a vaccine and antibody cocktail activate. So, yoga, doing the pranayama practice, doing uh, the asana practice, stimulates the adaptive immune response in the body. And yoga can increase antiviral, antimicrobial properties in the body and uh, increase levels of melatonin. And reduce inflammation. So there's a lot of science behind what it is that I'm doing and a lot of uh, scientists and yoga practitioners are doing in the space of yoga for COVID. And um, I do want to say that when we do pranayama, uh, pranayama stimulates also the release and increases manufacture of nitric oxide, which is Uh, housed in the reservoirs in in our skull, so in our sinuses, air passages. So when we do pranayama, and there are specific pranayama practices that increase this, our system gets filled with nitric oxide, which is a poisonous gas for bacteria and viruses and can destroy them. And and, and as we know, COVID, portal of entry for COVID is the nose, the mouth. And so... This is very powerful. And the ancient yogis, I mean, it blows my mind that they knew this. And what to increase the um, effective, uh, the, the, uh, the effects of nitric oxide, there is a humming technique. And one of the pranayama uses humming. And this humming technique, and, and I will use the words of Dr. Bushell, uh, under noc- normal sim- circumstances, nitric oxide is a powerful antiviral and antimicrobial. But when humming is introduced during the pranayama, it is turned into a massive assault weapon. And the vibrations from the humming open these gates in the reservoirs and nitric oxide is bombarded out. And the yogis have known this for millennia about humming, and they developed the pranayama called pramari. So I just wanted to add this, that there's a lot of science here behind what I am doing, and I am continuing to to learn and grow through this practice, and it is a pleasure for me to share this information with your audience and anybody who's interested in how yoga can help um, infectious diseases,
1: uh, help uh, recover from infectious diseases and so we uh, all find that monisha on your website uh, loveismighty.com so loveismighty.com
0: is my fashion brand and okay. you can find me and my and information on my yoga practice at monisharajayoga.com
1: great so even as a three times vaccinated person that i am it what you say really wants me to go right away and participate in your yoga practice. <laughs> Please come, Christian. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for having been my guest on Before It's Too Late today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this profound conversation, and I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late, make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, Consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.